want to open up or stay open to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be really focusing on those first four verses uh, of that reading that Mandy just brought us. Have you ever found yourself driving your car on autopilot? You're driving and you're driving home. You're not really thinking about where you're going. You're driving home and yet you don't live there anymore. Uh, This happened to me often enough. Uh, Part of me is on default mode and I'm just driving. We've lived in a number of places around here and um, they're all kind of connected and sometimes I find myself driving to a house I don't live at anymore. In the same way, the Apostle Paul is trying to help a church who's in some ways in default mode. He's trying to connect the dots for this Colossian church as he writes to them. You'll see there in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, it starts with these words, since then. Since then. Paul's saying there is a new reality for the Christian person. And Paul is writing to these Christians in Colossae because they've found themselves on autopilot. But he wants to remind them that there's a new location that they're heading. They have a new identity. Indeed, they have a new home. Therefore, if you don't live there, don't go there, is what Paul is saying. Since then. Since then. Since this change has occurred, since this spiritual reality has broken into your lives, you need a shift in the way you think. And not just in the way you think, but also we'll see this passage uh, flows the way you act. In chapter 3, we have this dominant image of taking off the old self. And as Paul speaks of in the book of Romans, walking in newness of life. One commentator, a scholar called F.F. Bruce, says of this passage, he says, There are old practices to be abandoned. There is a new way of life to be adopted. The old to be put off, the new to be put on. And this is a figure of speech which has been associated with the wearing of new garments in baptism. Putting on new garments, taking off old ones. Scholar is saying behind that is this image of baptism. I think that's right. You can see back in chapter 2, verse 12, the image of baptism is there. We're buried with Christ in baptism. And baptism is this wonderfully symbolic representation of a drastic change. That there's a death to the old and there's a taking off of the new. Uh, We don't demonstrate it particularly graphically. We have a small kind of basin up the back there, but uh, some churches and some traditions, particularly Greek Orthodox Church, have ever been to baptism or seen perhaps on YouTube, what they do is essentially have this 44-gallon drum that the child is held into and placed in under and then brought up. And there's something really helpful about that imagery, that... There is a graphic reality behind the symbol that there is a, there's a drowning that's occurring when someone is baptised. There's a drowning of sin. There's a drowning and death of the control of Satan. And as that child comes up, there is a 
new reality, a new birth, the waters of new birth. As that child breaks up through that water, they're reminded, or we are reminded as we witness that of the new birth and spiritual life. And in certain parts of the world, new converts are baptised. Even in the ancient world, they would literally discard that clothing that they had on before baptism. They'd leave it by the side of the river. Even in some um, in some contexts, those who are baptised are given a new name upon baptism. Because behind baptism and behind the concept and the symbol is the radical nature of what happens when someone trusts in Jesus. There is a death to the old self and there is a taking on of new life in Christ. And as we live as Christians, as we continue to live as Christians, we need to remember this. We need to remember that there is a death to the old and there is a new life that we have entered. And indeed, this is what the Apostle Paul is encouraging these Christians to remember. This is what they're struggling with in the ancient world and this is what we struggle with as well. In Colossians 2 verse 8, chapter 2 verse 8, Paul is saying, Paul says, make sure that no one takes you captive. Make sure no one tells you you are not who Christ says you are. In this section in um, chapter 3, we have really three sections. In verses 1 to 4, Paul says, or talks about this new life that they have in Christ. And we're really just going to focus on those first four verses this morning. In the coming weeks, we'll look at verses 5 to 11, where he says, to put off what is inconsistent with that new life that you receive back in verses 1 to 4. And in verses 12 following to the end, we'll see what we are to put on. But this morning we're going to see four foundational truths. And you see it there in an outline behind me. Firstly, we're going to see uh, the new reality that we live in as Christians. We're going to see that we share in Christ's victory. And that from that we have a new priority, a new security and a new destiny. So firstly, uh, our victory in Christ in verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. And that phrase, raised with Christ, is an incredible reality, an amazing truth. Paul is assuming here the historic resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. He's assuming a bodily resurrection, that Jesus was once dead and now has been raised. And what he's doing as he assumes that, he's taking that reality and he's helping these Christians understand the implication of the resurrection of Jesus for their lives. He is saying somehow that not only has Christ been raised, but that you have been raised with him. You see in that phrase, with Christ, and this is a theme in this chapter, our connection with Jesus, with Christ. In Ephesians 2, Paul will say that we have been made alive with him. We've been raised with him. We're seated with him. 
Uh, literally, this word with him is synced up. You know how you connect your phone to your computer or perhaps to some other device and it, it turns around while it's thinking and then it'll light up, synced, connected. That's the word that Paul is speaking of here when he speaks about being with Christ. Christ has been raised and you've been synced with him. This is what we call the doctrine of the union of Christ and all that we share, all that we enjoy as Christians now are the benefits owing to us being joined with Jesus, with Christ. His death is our death. His resurrection is our resurrection. His appearance in glory will also be ours. See, what gives us any confidence that we one day will be raised from the dead? Uh, Sometimes many of us feel like we can barely get out of bed, let alone out of a grave. Well, his victory is our victory. If Jesus has been raised, we are with Christ. And so our assurance is guaranteed because Christ has been raised. And one day we too will be. We are united to Jesus. And so his win is our win. So firstly, we share in Christ's victory. Secondly, from that reality we see in verse 2 that we have a new priority. That we're to now set our minds on Christ. We've been raised with him, Paul says. So what do we do with that reality? We've been raised with him, so let's love him. Set your minds on things above. This is not simply just an intellectual exercise of escapism. Um, This is about grabbing our hearts. That's what it means to set our minds on things above. It's not to set our minds about the furniture or the geography of heaven. But when it says to set our minds or our hearts on things above, it's to set our minds on the rule and the reign of the Lord Jesus, to see him and his control in our lives and in our world, to set our things, to set our hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Notice there in verse 1, Christ's position. Christ as king is not like us. He's not pacing about anxiously worried about what's on his to-do list. Jesus Christ today is doing what kings do. They sit and they rule. He's at the right hand of God. And so there's great encouragement for us this day to allow his rule and reign not just to be a true reality for us, it is a true reality, but something more than that, for it to be a great comfort to us. If he is ruling and reigning, then let his rule and let his reign bring you peace. Set your minds on him and his rule. Set your affections on Christ. And as we do that, we're to do that in a way that is not focused on earthly things there in verse 2. 
Uh, I don't think this is speaking about, in verse 2, being too heavenly minded that we are of no earthly good. What verse 2 is speaking about when it's saying to set our minds on things above, to set our minds on Christ and not on earthly things. It's speaking about really our, our horizon for life generally. Because the reality of our world is it's a secular world. It's a world that's kind of done away with God. And what's the effect of a world that does away with God? What do you have left if you don't have some transcendent being in control of everything? What do you have left? All you have left is us. Our thoughts. Our concerns. And so in a world that's done away with God, in an expansive world, what we do is we reduce our world just to ourselves. And so we're so caught up. And our world is so caught up with itself. So wound up on what is right in front of us now. And yet the apostle here is trying to open the horizon for these Christians that they not be swallowed up by things that do not last, that don't have eternal significance. He's saying there is a bigger picture than just what's going on in your world or what you can see or what you know. Set your minds on things not that you can see here on earth, not just what's immediate and obvious. Set your mind on things above. See a bigger picture. Look up and see Christ and his victory. A victory that is not just remote, a victory that is glorious and real because you are with Christ. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So firstly, we see that there's a victory that Christ has won. Secondly, we see that there is, sorry, thirdly, we see that there is a new security. We share in Christ's victory. We have a new priority. And thirdly, we have a new security. And you notice there in verse 3 that it's that we not only share in Christ's victory and consequently have a new priority, but we have a new security for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. The Apostle Paul is reminding those that he writes to that there's a new age that they've entered. A new time has come. They're on autopilot back in the old age. And when they're in the old age, this, the false teaching that has occurred in the Colossian church takes root. But Paul wants to take them above and wants them to see about this new reality there in verse 3, that their life is now hidden with Christ in God, which is meant to give them a tremendous security. We don't live in the realm or age of Adam. We have died to that reality. And now, Paul says, what in verse 3? If you've died to that reality, what happens? Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. There's that little word again, with Christ. A Christian cannot be more secure than this. To be with Christ in God. It's both belt and braces here. 
if Jesus reigns and if he is victorious and you are with him, you are safe in him. Later on in the passage, Paul will speak about the coming judgment, his coming wrath. And so how will we escape that coming wrath, that coming judgment? Well, we are safe when we are hidden in him, where we are so bound up with him that we are hidden the way in which a child often is hidden in the skirts of their mother. Outside of Christ, we are exposed. But in Christ, we are safe. And when we are with Christ, we are secure. This doesn't mean that we won't undergo hardships. We will. But this means that through the hardships, the Lord Jesus keeps us. He is with us. He is our refuge. We are safe in him. We are hidden with him. There may be a second meaning of being hidden with him um, if we take verse 4, when Christ who is your life appears, you will also appear with him in glory. I think there's a second meaning there, and that is that if you look at a Christian today, if you look at yourself, if you look around, we do not see the reality, the spiritual reality for what we are. We do not see, or it doesn't appear obvious to us or anyone else that we are co-heirs with Christ. We actually look pretty ordinary. We don't look like people who are beaming divine glory. That reality is hidden. But when Christ appears, who we really are will be reflected will be known because, Christ, because the glory of Christ will be reflected in us. Now there is a hiddenness. It looks very ordinary. It looks very mundane, even what goes on here as you sit this morning. But your life is hidden with Christ. And when Christ appears, the spiritual reality of what has occurred, this change and this transformation will one day be known. His glory will rest on us and it will be reflected on us. So we have a new security. We have a, also we have finally a new destiny there in verse 4. When Christ who is your life appears, you then also will appear with him in glory. That's a tremendous phrase there in verse 4 when Christ who is your life see who is your life Paul is reminding us here this morning that it's not your family it's not your status it's not your wealth it's not your reputation or your accomplishments but Christ is your life he's the source of your life and here I think the focus is well, the encouragement is Paul's, Paul is encouraging these Christians to focus on Christ. Elsewhere in Philippians, he says, to live is Christ. But he's not just your life here, verse 4. He's also your hope. Then you also will appear with him in glory. You have been raised with him. You've been hidden with him and one day you will appear with him. Again, there's that phrase, with him. 
synced up with him. It's a reality now and it will be a reality one day. He is our hope. You then also. Paul often speaks when he speaks of Christ. Paul often speaks of Christ with his people. Then you also. The Lord Jesus has come and in three or so weeks we will celebrate that at Christmas. And Paul is reminding us here in verse 4, as sure as he has come once, he will come again and then you also, you also will appear with him in glory. What confidence do we have that we will appear with him in glory? It's not our performance. It's not how good we have been. It's on the basis of us being joined with Jesus, synced with him through faith. We're with him now. And yet that is hidden. That is hidden even from us. But because we are with him, now we one day will be with him in glory. There will be a change one day when the Lord Jesus returns. But there has already been a change. We have been transformed when we have been united with the Lord Jesus. When we trust in him, an incredible transformation occurs, one that we cannot see, but one day we will see. This physical reality will catch up with the spiritual reality. Our bodies decay. They get sick. But Paul is saying there is a spiritual reality before us and one day when the Lord Jesus returns, that physical reality will catch up with that spiritual reality and God's glory will be properly reflected in all of us. We had, when I was growing up, a family friend who was in the Air Force. And I was about nine or ten. And he invited us to Williamstown Air Base. And um, we were really excited about this, my brother and I. And there we drove up just past Newcastle. And there at the front gate, there's security gates. And he came out and met us in his uniform. And as we, you know, walked through the front gates, guess what? They let two kids in because we were with him. And it was, a, it was a great feeling. It was a great feeling just to move past all this security. And there as we uh, went to the hangars, the aircraft hangars, where the fighter jets are, uh, there are people around. And there we just moved through because we were with him. And there, as the mechanics worked on this fighter jet, we were allowed to kind of get up on the fighter jet. Why? Because we were with him. Christ's glory is our glory. His resurrection is our resurrection. What we have now in the Lord Jesus will one day be known. Because we are with him. We are with him and we have assurance of that today. Because of this reality, we can say goodbye to our old life. And we'll see that next week from verse 5, where we're to put to death what is earthly amongst us. Well, this morning we've been reminded of this new reality. And 
this is a new reality that we need to keep coming back to, that we need to be reminded of as we look to Christ, as we see our lives now through him, that we have died and been raised with him. We don't live in this, for this world anymore. We live with him and our lives are hidden with him. Amen. We're going to sing. Sing with us. Yeah.